Welcome to the latest edition of the Sooners Extra Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with, joined by phone by Abby Bitterman. Uh, the the uh, Sooners Extra Podcast, as always, is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken salads and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Drive through your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Uh, Abby, you're on the road today. Well, I don't know if on the road. You, you were on the road for a <laughs> At while. At one point. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but you're not in Oklahoma currently, right? Correct. I have opened up the uh, Chicago um, Bureau of the Oklahoman. Um, I have gone back up to Elmwood Park, Illinois, to hang out with my family and not be alone in the home I live in in Norman. Um, But yeah, no, I am uh, currently coming to you all from my childhood bedroom in my home in Elmwood Park, so. Well, it's good that you're able to uh, make that trip back. That's one of the weird things about this time uh, of year. Normally, we're going crazy right now covering what would have been uh, the spring football game last weekend. We would have had uh, uh, Bedlam baseball over the weekend up in Stillwater. We would have had, I I think, OU uh, softball was supposed to be home as well, right? Uh, sure i don't i truly do not remember anymore what the softball schedule looks like but i'm sure i would have covered softball in some form over the weekend yeah just a really weird uh time of the year uh right now with nothing going on uh for sure and i've got to uh really quickly try to look at the schedule and yeah OU would have been at home uh softball a series against a three-game series against Kansas ah, yes. uh, last week, but we've reached probably the one week during this whole thing where things feel at least a little bit more close to normal. With uh, the NFL draft taking place as scheduled, mm-hmm. there's some changes uh, to the draft. And Abby, I know you you talked to Kenneth Murray about this and wrote a little bit about it. Um, how different is the draft going to be? with uh, everybody doing it from home now rather than uh, heading to Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I kind of listened in on a conference call with the um, vice presidents of production at both uh, ESPN and the NFL Network, and they talked about how, you know, the actual drafting of players, you know, teams turning in their picks, them being announced, players being selected by different teams. The the end goal of getting these prospects drafted to teams will be pretty easy and run pretty smoothly. But the thing they're more concerned about and the thing that will look the most different is that, you know, these players won't um, walk across a stage, you know, um, in Las Vegas, part of the plan was that the stage was going to be built on like the waters of the Bellagio fountain and players were going to be like boated out there, I guess. And obviously that won't happen. Instead, they'll all kind of be in their living rooms or whatever room in their house. They set up um, the cameras and they'll walk up to a camera to do an interview after their name gets called. And I mean, so what the NFL has done is they've sent out um, boxes of equipment to each um, of of 58 prospects that have been 
um, uh, they've agreed to participate. There are two cameras. One is kind of just streaming what's going on in the ha- in like the house or the room or wherever they set it up, um, and kind of getting the player's reaction. And then the other is the camera they'll do an interview with after their name gets called, um, because they uh, the vice the production vice presidents talked about how um, Seth Seth Markman for ESPN and Mark. Quinzel, I believe, for um, the NFL Network, they talked about how, you know, a big part of it is telling the stories of these players and their families and what it means to them to be drafted in the NFL. And so they're hoping that um, having these players participate virtually, if everything runs smoothly, they'll still be able to get those stories and you'll still be able to hear from the players and their families and see their reactions, even though, you know, I... I think about when Baker Mayfield got drafted, how he wasn't in Dallas, maybe. I think it was that year. I could be completely yeah, the wrong. Draft was in yeah, Dallas, but or, he was in Arlington. But he was but in. He was not. Yeah, he was in Austin, and there were so many people. Like, he was having a party at his house, basically. And for a lot of these guys, you know, that sounds like it's not going to be the case. It's just going to be them and the people they live with. Um, and, you know, Maybe they'll have some family members call in in a Zoom call or some other type of like a FaceTime or something, but it'll just be them and like parents and siblings and whoever else lives with them. And so, yeah, it'll be a lot more of a of a of a small affair, I guess, but probably still just as exciting as any NFL draft any other year because. I mean, what else are we all going to watch and talk about, you know? This is true. And it actually, uh, for a lot of us, I think it'll be more exciting just because we've been so starved for something normal, I, I think, uh, to take place. So I know I'm going to be much more invested in this NFL draft, even just beyond work, than, uh, than normal because of that. You know, one of the, the weird things or interesting things I thought – was the, the also the package of uh, approved, uh, uh, I don't know, apparel's not, uh, there's approved apparel, approved uh, devices uh, to wear during this thing. And one of the things we're going to notice as all these athletes get drafted from home is the absence of something that's so ubiquitous among uh, college kids, period, that the, uh, college athletes uh, especially that's we're not going to see any apple airpods oh oh i missed this i thought uh was it not in what you wrote it might have been in something else that i wrote that uh or, or i read that uh because bose is the official sponsor of uh of the nfl as far as uh headphones there would be no Apple AirPods. Ah, they you have makes to wear sense. Bose uh, Bose earbuds uh, when you're uh, when you're doing your interviews. So that that'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there. I know. I know. Players sometimes just walk around with them just because it looks cool. So you know, I don't know. How do you how do you pry people away from their AirPods? I guess yeah, sponsorship well, and and the NFL draft. That's how. 
Yes, the, the NFL draft, um, I know that they, they gave them a list of things they could not have displayed. Like they couldn't have any apparel, I believe, that wasn't either Adidas or New Era. Uh, the, the two uh, NFL sponsors, there was uh, a certain kind of yogurt that they could eat and couldn't eat. I think it was Dannon, if I'm not mistaken, is the official sponsor. Um, and then a couple other categories. Uh, and they sent them, I guess, a welcome kit with some of this, the approved things in them, I assume, especially the, the Bose uh, headphones, so that they could do those interviews. But uh, it, it's going to be an interesting experience, and we'll see how it goes. Part of me wishes it was a little bit more spread out this year. Uh, than it is normally you know you could even do like a round a night and uh people would eat it all up but abby um well i'll tell you what let's take a break there and then we'll come back on the other side and talk about uh, what we expect in the draft and the ou players that uh that should be drafted on uh, thursday friday and saturday uh once again this is the sooners extra podcast presented by zach who's i'm your host Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman. We'll be back right after the break. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman. And uh, Abby, we spent the first segment talking about the NFL draft, the, the logistics of everything. Now let's talk about the actual draft itself. And uh, it, it looks like it would be a big surprise uh, right now if two OU players weren't first-round picks. Oh, I would, I would absolutely be surprised. I think that, um, you know, C.D. Lamb and Kenneth Murray, in every um, mock draft I've seen this whole time and in all the news I've read, I haven't see, really seen them anywhere else other than the first round especially C.D. Lamb, I would be shocked. But, I mean, Kenneth Murray, I think, also is is um, clearly uh, being looked at by a number of teams. I know um, Mel Kuyper Jr. threw out a couple of options for where he could go besides where he had him in his last mock draft. So I think that, I mean, those two guys both seem pretty much locked in to going on Thursday night. Yeah, let's talk about C.D. first. And mm-hmm. uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. right now has C.D. going with the number 13 overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, the 49ers uh, lost Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. They have a need there. That, that's sort of interesting because we've heard C.D.'s name tied to the Raiders a ton, the, the Jets uh, potentially there with the number 11 pick. But... Uh, that would be a heck of a landing spot uh, for Lamb to go to a team with uh, the the kind of potential, and, and obviously, uh, you know, they were just in the Super Bowl. They've got the solid offensive play all around. He would be with uh, with probably the most dynamic tight end in the NFL right now, and George Kittle, uh, the, the the Norman native. So. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that C.D. Lamb is going to be a, a first-round pick and a high first-round pick. The question is just the order on those wide receivers with mm-hmm. uh, the two Alabama players, Jerry Judy uh, and, and Henry Ruggs, being uh, uh, you know right there as well. 
but uh, but Lamb is certainly going to be one of those top three wide receivers taken, and and the, those three will be off the board uh, in relatively short order. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Jenny wrote about Jenny Carlson wrote about this the other day, but when you talk about those three wide receivers um, in the eyes of Mel Kiper, and I think probably a lot of people, it's really you know splitting hairs and kind of just what teams think would fit better for them. Um, But yeah, I think that, uh, like you mentioned, the 49ers uh, just in the Super Bowl, that could be a really good uh, landing spot for CD. Um, I know that that there was talk uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, time has no meaning anymore, where Kyler Murray really wanted uh, the Cardinals to get him. But I think that from everything I've seen, it looks like the Cardinals have more uh, pressing needs. So I think that the 49ers would be a great place for CD. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to envision the, the Cardinals going wide receiver there, especially after they just uh, just traded for DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. there. They need some protection for Kyler Murray uh, as opposed to targets for Kyler Murray, which they feel uh, you know decently good about. So exactly. uh, I would anticipate them going with an offensive lineman there with I believe it's the number eight pick overall um, but uh, wherever CD lands I, I think that he's got a chance to be a, a really really good player in the NFL a lot of people have compared him to DeAndre Hopkins that's probably been the the most consistent comparison among any player in this draft that I've seen is the talk about Lamb and Hopkins being so similar and, uh, you know, obviously C.D. Lamb has the kind of uh, potential or kind of career that Hopkins has had at this point. He's going to feel uh, he was going to have done a, a really, really good job. But uh, let's talk about Kenneth Murray uh, for a second. There's a guy who a year ago we started seeing his name on first-round draft boards. And I think a lot of us, and this wasn't, uh, the, the mainstream guys. This wasn't Todd McShay or, or Mel Hyper Jr. Or, or, or those type of guys, but you heard talk about Kenneth Murray being a potential first-round pick, and honestly, I sort of dismissed it because so much of that thought was based on the numbers, and I, not that his numbers were inflated. His numbers were what they were, but um, you could tell that he wasn't quite there as far as being a defender ready to make that leap uh, to the NFL. But he certainly did that this year and has gone from a guy that, uh, at least in my mind, thought uh, it's pretty unlikely that he's going to be a first-round pick to now he's pretty much surefire going in the first round and, and going to be one of the first linebackers off the board. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, the first first-round defensive draft picks from OU since I'm blanking on the year. Do you know, Ryan? Uh, First round uh, defensive draft pick? I think it was Gerald McCoy, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. There's been been a while. Jordan Phillips uh, just missed it a a few years ago. But yeah, Gerald McCoy was the last uh, OU first rounder, and that's been a decade ago. So it's been a, a long long time since the Sooners had a first round pick so uh, it's uh, a big time thing Mm -hmm. for Alex Grinch and OU's defense to have 
uh, a player going in the first round after just a year, um, you know, it's hard to imagine that they will will have a, a similar situation next year. Although I guess they could if one of those, did, well, certainly if Perrion Winfrey uh, comes through and has a big season, you could see him maybe uh, stepping away and, and entering the draft. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more probably about uh, looking forward to the 2021 draft maybe next week uh, as we wrap up this year's draft. But um, that's a, a big step for Alex Grinch's defense to have. Kenneth Murray uh, picked in the first round, and then to have also Neville Gallimore, who we expect to go off the board uh, in the second or third round. Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, when I talked to Kenneth the other day, you know, he was very cognizant of the fact that he'll be the first um, uh, defensive player from Oklahoma picked in the first round in a while. And he's, um, you know, he didn't necessarily use this word, but you could. He sounded definitely proud of of that and said it was a goal he he has wanted to accomplish. Um, but then, yeah, Neville. I mean, uh, Mel Mel Kiper Jr. When I asked about it the other day, said he had him going in the third and thought he would be a great value to a team um, in the third round. And I think that, yeah, you know, just from everything that um, we've seen from Neville Gallimore, especially. You know, these this past season and recently, he's just gotten better and better. I think. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. He's made massive leaps as well. I think uh, he's a guy that we've seen the potential in quite a bit over the last few years, but this year really, really took a big step forward and uh, became that game-changing type of uh, interior defensive lineman that I think a lot of us thought he could have been uh, for for the last few years, but he never really quite fit into what Mike Stoops was doing defensively. He was a perfect fit for for the one-gap system under Alex Grinch and and showed that all year. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, just to to go to Parnell Motley, you know, um, the people – the – the thought is that he could go in one of the late rounds and, you know, to go from a year for OU when they have no uh, defensive guys drafted to potentially having three taken. I mean, that's, that feels like a, like a pretty good step forward to me. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, you know, I think they will have three guys taken. I think Parnell Motley will uh, be taken off the board. I think it's, you're not going to see a lot of guys who weren't invited to the NFL Combine to be drafted just because of the circumstances mm-hmm. of the way this pandemic has, has affected the, the, the lead-up process to the draft. But I think for Parnell Motley, with having the pro day performance that he had and, and had a solid showing there, having the, 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 the Shrine Bowl performance that he had, I think really – put him in a pretty good position overall to overcome that. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes off the board likely on Saturday, but it's going to be a weird uh, Saturday. I think, you know, so many times over the last few years, we've had several OU players go on that day. And this year it looks like Parnell is, is very likely to be the only one, uh, 
just because of the, the players that came out. I'm not sure that I don't anticipate Nick Basquin or Lee Morris being drafted, and they're really the only uh, uh, two other ones that you could point to and, and, and think that they were coming off the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, there is one more player, though, that uh, could that we expect to get drafted, certainly earlier than Saturday, probably Friday night. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah, Hurts. Yeah, and you know Jalen Hurts is a guy who's. Uh, I know you talked to Mel Kiper last week. We'll get into that here in just a second, but seems to be rocketing up boards, and certainly I think that's a reflection of one Jalen Hurts and the leadership and everything that he's displayed the growth that he showed under Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. and the way that Lincoln Riley was able to groom him in this one year. And also the belief that Lincoln Riley, you know, you quarterback can have success in the NFL, but uh, all of those things combined seem to have made Jalen Hurts a very popular pick. And I even saw some comparisons between Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Now I think, that uh, having watched both of those guys in college, I think Dak Prescott was a much more polished quarterback, a much more polished passer at the collegiate level than Jalen Hurts. But it's an intriguing comparison and uh, one that shows that there's some NFL teams who are starting to believe that Jalen Hurts might not just be a, a backup, uh, you know, a program type guy, but a guy who can lead a, lead a team. Yeah, and I mean, like you like you mentioned, you know, I talked to Mel Kuyper about him, and the the quarterbacks he compared him to were Lamar Jackson and Taysom Hill. In that, you know, they came in um, behind guys like Joe Flacco and Drew Brees, and Lamar Jackson, you know, was just in packages, and people had a lot of concerns about him. People asked if. You know, he was going to play a position other than quarterback. Um, and they've both of those quarterbacks have had started out coming in in packages behind, you know, much more established um, quarterbacks. And eventually, you know, Lamar Jackson became Lamar Jackson and then the MVP and all that. Um, and so... Kuyper sees that as a, a path that a guy like Jalen Hurts could take, especially, you know, he has him right now um, in his mock draft at number the, with the number 49 overall pick going to the Steelers. Um, he also mentioned uh, the New England Patriots as a place for him, but, you know, come for he thinks that Hurts coming in in packages behind uh, Ben Roethlisberger would be a good would be a good fit. And then also all those things that you mentioned, you know, the way he played at OU, um, the way that NFL teams look at Lincoln Riley's offense, and then also the fact that he had um, what people consider to be a pretty strong uh, NFL combine performance. All that kind of has just given momentum and had his name kind of get hot here uh, heading into the days before the draft. Yeah, it'd be really interesting uh, if Jalen Hurts wound up at Pittsburgh in that spot. Is it in Ben Roethlisberger's contract that he has to have uh, a, a player who played college football in the state of Oklahoma as his backup? Because he's gone from Landry <laughs> Jones 
to Mason Rudolph, and now if uh, if they decided to go with Jalen Hurts and he wound up being the backup there, that would be a third uh, OU or OSU quarterback in that position. Yeah, d- talk about talk about coincidences. Yeah, it's uh, be interesting, but we'll see what happens uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Going back to well, first of all, uh, you know, obviously we're uh, an OU podcast and uh but at this point when we're starved for news as we're recording this podcast the news comes out that uh, rob gronkowski has been traded to the tampa bay buccaneers uh where he could team with tom brady oh wow uh, once again so that uh i'm sorry you mean that'll make for an interesting uh interesting time certainly in tampa bay you mean you mean tampa bay or tampa brady <laughs> I, I believe or those, those are, are those are trademarked. Brady. I don't know if I can say them. Sorry, don't don't sue me, Tom. Yeah, I, th- I think you owe Tom Brady a, a royalty fee after saying that. I no, but may I don't know. Not right, not right now, Tom. It's a pandemic. <laughs> but uh, to, to go back to some of the discussion that we had uh, in the first segment, which is actually why I was reading around on ESPN. Uh, apparently the, the Detroit Lions are going to station their IT guy, their director of information technology, in an RV in the GM's park or uh, GM's driveway <laughs> uh, during the draft, just in case anything you know goes askew and he needs to jump into to duty to get it fixed. Because uh, you know, obviously, they want to make sure that they've got the ability to conduct this draft in a virtual way. And I know there's a lot of NFL folks that are pretty freaked out about uh, the way this draft is going to go. Even, uh, even if they've done all the testing of the technology and everything like that, just because of the stakes, uh, of this thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, again, uh, Seth Markman from ESPN and Mark Quinzel from, uh, NFL network, they were talking about how, they're going to have over 170 different feeds coming into ESPN. I've seen, um, you know, reports where they've said maybe even as many as like 190 between the 58 prospects, which I don't know if I mentioned before, but from OU, that's going to be Kenneth Murray, CeeDee Lamb, Neville Gallimore, and Jalen Hurts. But then also, you know, all the general managers, all the... Um, all the all the coaches, uh, Roger Goodell obviously from his basement, um, and then some other um, uh, NFL Network and ESPN personalities who won't be in studio but will be from their homes as well. So I mean, yeah, I'd I'd be surprised if there weren't other IT guys parked in other parking lots around the country because that's I don't know that's just that's a lot of different different feeds from all around the country and you know who knows what could happen yeah and it is zero surprise that one of the issues that the nfl had is they did this testing on on monday uh for the draft is that a lot of people did not put that put their microphones on mute (laughs) uh during these calls and and during the test so we've learned that lesson. We've had uh, a couple teleconferences. Well, 
two with Joe Stiglione, one with Lincoln Riley. We've seen that be an issue there. Oh, we I had... found out yesterday that when you uh, turn off your camera in uh, the Zoom call but stay connected to it, it doesn't automatically mute you. So I'm sure you and uh, some of our coworkers heard my lunch discussion uh, yesterday. I think that was when but, I was uh, conducting an interview, so I was not listening. Okay, well, that, that's good. But uh, zero surprise that that's been uh, one of the big issues. I think everybody's experienced this on some level uh, during this transition. Yeah, we had a teleconference with Lon Kruger where there were there was a huge feedback loop because someone hadn't, or maybe multiple people hadn't muted their phones. And that was weeks ago, and it still haunts me whenever I think about teleconferences. Another thing as I'm, I'm reading through is that uh, Boise State just furloughed their coaches. Oh, I didn't. All of them? Uh, like it, every sport? So. Uh, all employees who are paid more than $40,000 a year are required to take furloughs. Oh. So that would be almost all of the football coaches. How, how do you recruit? Um, that is a good question. It would appear, I would assume, uh, that uh, they would stagger them in a way to, to not affect recruiting as much. But apparently uh, most of the football coaches have to take the, um, the highest Number of furlough days, which is 10, I'm reading uh, from the Idaho Statesman's coverage of, of this. Uh, they just hired a running backs coach. He'll have to take seven days. I guess they're peers based on, I don't know if it's seniority or how much you've been paid. But during furloughs, as, as we found out recently, uh, Abby, fun you can't do any work. Not ki- Just kidding, not fun at all. Yeah, it looks like the those furloughs will have to be taken uh, between May 3rd and July 31st of this year. So they, they'll space them out, I assume, and, and make sure that they've got uh, recruiting going on at all times. But it's definitely going to be a burden during a, a, a pretty important time for recruiting. And, and like I said, I, I don't think this is the last uh, thing like this that we're going to hear about. I, I think that these are going to be relatively common across college athletics is uh, universities and, and athletic programs try to find ways to stay afloat with uh, with no income uh, coming in. Yeah, I mean, I talked to a couple of recruits, OU recruits, um, on Friday, um, you know, because the spring game would have been this past Saturday, like I think we mentioned in the first segment. But they both talked about how good, you know, OU has been about staying in communication with them and how they've talked to coaches um, incredibly often, um, sometimes maybe like every day, like once a day. Um, and so, you know, I have to imagine for, that for every program, especially when now one of the main things you can do is recruit, that it like you like you mentioned is like not uh is is going to be a hindrance um 
but yeah, I, I agree. This probably isn't the last we've seen like this. I know that um, I think it was Cincinnati already cut their men's soccer team. Yeah, they, they cut men's soccer. And of course, men's soccer is a, a sport that's had a lot of a lot of hits. I don't think there are any men's soccer programs in the Big 12, if I'm not mistaken. There are a lot of women's programs. But, uh, yeah, Cincinnati cut. We've seen uh, some, some other small colleges cut. But uh, my thought is we're, we're going to see a lot more of that here over the coming months, especially if the, the college football season is affected at all. Yeah, and, I mean, the group, the group of five schools – have all I think it was them right that have already asked the um, NCAA for relief on the rules um, that or the requirements to be a Division One school. So I mean, I feel like to me that just is not a positive sign of things to come. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So we'll see. We'll continue to watch uh, the follow up there and uh, see see what other programs have to go through similar measures and if those uh, measures ever wind up coming to OU, which is in a little bit better position because their athletic department uh, is self-sustaining. But obviously every every moment that they miss out on, uh, you know, those, those revenues, then things get a little bit more dicey. But we'll see what happens there. But uh, – uh, we're going to wrap it up right there on the Sooners Extra Podcast. The Sooners Extra Podcast, as always, is presented by Zaxby's. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoma.com and every morning in the Oklahoma for the best uh, Oklahoma coverage anywhere. Uh, Abby, let people know where they can reach you if they have any questions or, or anything they want us to discuss on the podcast or anything else. I'm, as always, on Twitter at Abby underscore Bitterman. And through email, a bitter man at oklahoman.com. I'm on Twitter at R Y A B E R, and uh, you can reach me by email, R A B E R at oklahoman.com. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, the Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild to wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to wrap up the NFL draft and uh, talk about more Oklahoma athletics.